Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits, C103. And a very good morning to you. Hope you were keeping well. It's John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger right through until one with Cork Today. Our lines are open. Bernie taking those comments. 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And what a great sporting weekend it was with wins for Ireland in the rugby over the All Blacks on Saturday and then last night over Luxembourg in the Soccer in the World Cup qualifying campaign and of course locally a big weekend in Gaelic Games. So well done to all the respective teams across the week and commiserations to those who didn't get there. But on the rugby, uh, the US President Joe Biden, he has personally congratulated the Ireland rugby team uh, following the victory uh, on Saturday over the All Blacks. Irish rugby tweeted an image of him on a video call uh, where Mr Biden spoke with the players after the win in the Aviva Stadium. So doesn't it show he is very, very proud of his Irish roots. And before we move on to what's coming up on the show this morning, I must send tributes uh, to the Fermoy area and they are being paid uh, across yesterday evening and indeed today and they're being paid to a 10-year-old boy uh, from the Fermoy area who wasn't expected to survive his birth and then was just given days to live in January 2020. I'm talking about Jamie Murray from Castle Lodge in Clondalan in Fermoy. He passed away on Saturday. We would have spoken with his mum Helena uh, over the last few years on the show along with his father Mark and within that time the local community rallied around and they raised over €30,000 to fund private nurses to help the Murray family with their son's physical needs and of course Mark and Helena they gave Jamie 24 hour care all his life so much love from both of them their entire family their friends and the entire close-knit community of Clondalan in Fermoy uh, the family have expressed their gratitude of the outpouring of messages of sympathy sympathy and support they are receiving at this difficult time for them and our thoughts and our sympathies go out both to Mark, to Helena, to all their family their friends, their wider family and the wider community there in the Fermoy area and Jamie's funeral mass will take place in St. Patrick's Church in Fermoy tomorrow at 2.30 with burial afterwards in Kilcrumper New Cemetery um, but uh, we do uh, today uh, pass on our sympathies to both uh, Helena and Mark as I said they would have joined us over the years on uh, the show so again our thoughts with 
Adam. And on this morning's show, we're going to hear how charities representing disabled pedestrians are calling for sound devices and stricter speed limits to be put in place for e-scooters. And when we mention e-scooters, a lot of the calls we get are people who are walking on a footpath and uh, next thing, a scooter comes out of nowhere and they feel they have to jump out of their way. A lot of these, you can't hear them. They're on top of you before you know it. And while some people are able to jump out of the way, not all of us are discussing that this morning on the show. And I was mentioning this to Ken earlier on The Breakfast Show while I'm talking about e-scooters this morning. The same could be said for electric cars. If you're ever in a car park, maybe unloading the shopping and putting a trolley back or just walking across to your car. Before you know it, even though you are watching out for the cars, there can be a car nearly on top of you simply because they're so quiet and so silent. And I think everybody uh, would agree with that. And I know some of the newer electric cars now, they are getting a sound device installed in them so that they do make pedestrians aware uh, that they are on the way. Anyhow, discussing that on the show this morning, your views are welcome. Also, we're going to hear why animal welfare laws need to be brought in in dealing with the trade of illegal puppy farms. And we have spoken to so many uh, animal inspectors from the ISPCA and various organisations over the years on this programme. And they always come back with the same message that we do have a problem. But the problem here in Cork mainly can be in the North Cork area where there is a huge problem with illegal puppy farms. Anyhow, we'll discuss that uh, this morning on the programme. We're also going to hear further calls to you student teachers in dealing with the shortage of sub-teachers in our classrooms and the Get Up and Go diaries we feature every year. Brendan Sands who publishes these diaries, the 2022 ones, they are out and we'll chat with him later in the programme and these diaries, they're all about positivity and they have inspirational quotes within them and many people just love receiving one of these as a gift around the Christmas period because of the positivity and I think we need that more than ever at this stage so we'll chat with Brendan about what's ahead for the diaries for 2022 and as usual on a Monday after 12.30 we'll be joined by Annalisa with nutritional advice for your Monday Annalisa Drizel from the Health Hub in Badencodig will join us after 12.30 and you can get your questions in for Annalisa across the show get them in early it's one of the busiest segments we have when it comes to advice that we offer so if you have a question get those in early to us Annalisa will join us after 12.30 but our lines are open 1850-333-103 and you can text or WhatsApp 0862 and earlier when we were chatting on the preview with Ken I was mentioning that the uh, hospitals and the healthcare system is overheated and under serious pressure and as a result of this uh, the Cabinet Subcommittee on COVID-19 they're going to meet this evening to consider what action needs to be taken to tackle the escalating COVID cases uh, last night there was 582 people in hospital with the virus and 106 of those were within ICU and why the hospitals are under pressure at the moment and staff are facing burnout yes again uh, it's very much what doctors are saying uh, we're in a better position this time around because of the vaccinations but it seems to be seasonal whereby things will get worse with winter and there's a lot of more uh, flus now out and about as well and respiratory diseases that maybe we didn't have last year because people we were all inside we were all in lockdown now there's no talk of a, a further lockdown and I think a lot of people would agree that that would be not the way to go ahead with this uh, for a simple reason was uh, you're leading into you know the pandemic of COVID-19 if we go into another lockdown you could be leading into a further pandemic of mental health and uh, we simply just can't lock done everything uh, when things get bad with COVID but there is talks of some type of restrictions to come and at the moment 
uh, all the leading doctors are coming out. Uh, for example, Dr. Nulo O'Connor, uh, she's the COVID-19 lead for the Irish College of General Practitioners. She has said that people must reduce uh, contacts by 50% now so that we can all have what she says is a nice Christmas. Uh, she is calling for the decisions to be taken and that will happen now that will influence us over the next few months. She's saying that people should stay at home if you have any signs of the infection and have the numbers of social contacts over the next few weeks if you want to have a nice Christmas. There are her thoughts on it and staying at home and I think most people would be you would hope anyhow if they had any signs of the infection to stay within doors so you simply don't pass it on to someone else because you never know how someone will react with any uh, cold or flu not to mind COVID-19 because we are all different so just because you feel you'll be okay it doesn't mean that the person that might pick it up from you will be okay and the last thing you want to do is send someone into ICU uh, and be like the 106 people we have within ICU at the moment and because of all of this as I mentioned the government they are meeting now the uh, recommendation coming from the National Public Health Emergency Team is basically going to be a return to working from home policy. And that is expected to be one of those that is going to be mentioned tomorrow. Now, all the cabinet members, that they are supporting this due to the increasing hospital numbers and the rise of cases. Uh, we'll hear more on exactly what will happen tomorrow and into Wednesday. But for the moment, uh, today, the, they're all meeting up to take stock of what is happening. And while they're meeting up, there, the reality of what is happening in our hospitals is very grim. I mentioned there about how many are in ICU. The one thing, though, uh, that needs to be looked at more is the situation with ICU beds. While we're here nearly two years in, we still haven't heard much talk about investment in this sector. And I know money may not be there for this, but surely at this stage, they should be looking at investing more within ICU and in ICU beds to, uh, first of all, lessen the strain on the hospital network and the staff within those hospitals but also when we talk of any restrictions the, the, the reason for these is because of the amount of people that end up in hospitals and end up in ICU and if they get full that's what leads to the restrictions basically so uh, you would hope that they would be looking at implementing some investment within ICU. I haven't heard too much about that. I know they have uh, a number of new ICU beds over the last year but nothing near what we should have for the population in this country. Also I wonder are we going to look at private hospitals as well and maybe look at their ICU systems depending on what private hospitals have in terms of ICU. Uh, Your views and thoughts are welcome on that. And while we were all told that antigen testing earlier on this year was not the way to go, now we're all being encouraged to use the antigen tests uh, more and more. And mainly if you are out and about and you have a, a heavy social life, if you're going to bars, if you're going to nightclubs, you're being asked to take an antigen test, maybe two tests per week as the case is sore. But again, with this, people are saying they need to reduce the price roughly. Uh, For a box of five, it can cost anything from €25 to €40, depending on where you are. Some places may be cheaper. Uh, And then there's, you know, and rightly so, people I've seen on Twitter yesterday saying, can they not make them free maybe up until January or February for people uh, to avail of them or reduce the price to a lower price so you can actually avail of them? Because with everything increasing, 
you know, you go to the supermarket now, everything has gone up. The price of diesel and petrol has increased. So while everything in our life is increasing, we're all budgeting differently because we're trying to keep up with the wages that come into us and then they go out as fast as they come in. You know, rates could be getting higher over the next year as well for various things like loans and mortgages. So while we're all battling that, the last thing then we need to do is invest more money in these antigen tests, which we're rightly to do so because it will, you know, give people peace of mind. But the price, lower the price and if you lower the price, more people will buy the test and then uh, the knock-on effect will be hopefully those who test positive will get a, a PCR test and will stay within home and that will reduce the risk uh, to the community and lower the cases. Anyhow, uh, that's something I think that needs to happen and, and they are looking at that and making uh, the ancient tests uh, cheaper and more affordable. I think they need to go that way. Uh, your views are welcome. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 or indeed you can uh, call Bernie on 1850 333 103. And I know last week or the week before, uh, John was asking and informing us of what was happening in Austria. And it has happened now that uh, unvaccinated people in Austria are now in lockdown for the next 10 days. And the move came into force at midnight last night. And the Austrian government says anyone aged over 12 who is unvaccinated will be banned from leaving their homes, except for essentials like working, food, shopping or indeed going for a walk. And seemingly, the police in Austria, if you're within a a shopping centre, that they can just walk in and ask you to show your COVID cert. No, there's no talk and there isn't any talk of that happening here whatsoever. Uh, But that was what is happening in Austria. Anyhow, uh, your views are welcome. 1850-333-103, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And when I touched on sport there at the start of the programme, uh, something we spoke about last Friday with referee Harry McCann, well, the referees who were in strike over the weekend, uh, mainly due to attacks and abuse they were receiving from the sidelines, and this was for underage uh, not the main, you know, the, the adult games. A lot of this was underage. So a lot of these were parents uh, who were abusing uh, the referee uh, who were watching on their children playing. Anyhow, uh, they've agreed now, following days of intensive negotiations, they've cancelled, that led to a cancellation of a, a number of matches over the last weekend. They are going to return now to the pitches again, uh, but they have called an action for those who do think it's okay to abuse a referee or attack a referee from the sidelines. So interesting to see uh, how long they will stay in place. I think if that was to continue and things weren't going to, you know, eradicate that type of behaviour, they would have no problem going back out and strike again. But hopefully this is the lesson to one involved. And I remember during the summer, Wally the Walrus was in various parts of our coastline. Uh, it started off in Kerry uh, and then he moved around the coast of Ireland and he arrived in, in Clonakilty Bay and then he popped up later in Crookhaven. Well, uh, the uh, sea life experts here in this country, they have confirmed that a walrus spotted resting off the coast of the UK, off Wales, I think it is. Um, it isn't one, uh, Wally. Wally hasn't returned, but it is his female counterpart who they have called Wanda. And Wanda uh, was seen in different parts of the coastline. North Cumberland is the latest spot uh, that uh, she has shown up in, but not too sure if Wanda uh, will make her way over to Clonakilty Bay or Crookhaven again or various parts of our coastline. But no, for those who maybe have seen pictures online, it isn't Wally, but it is Wanda. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see will she visit us. Monday morning on Cork today, our lines are open 1850 333 103. You can tweet 
Street at C103 Cork or text or WhatsApp 0862103103. On our discussion there on the cases with COVID increasing and vaccination, Mary in German League is asking why people who are not vaccinated can stay in hotels. Why is that being allowed? We all have to pre-book and show a COVID search to go out to, to dinner or to a restaurant, but residents can dine there without a COVID search. Well, that was the guidelines that was sent down from the government to fall to Ireland and that was passed on to the hotels across the country. So that is the reason for that. Uh, and if regardless, maybe you are sitting in a hotel, you know, in the restaurant and somebody else is in the residence part of it and, and they don't, well, there's no way of knowing if they are or not vaccinated. But that is the reason uh, for why that has happened. And, you know, there was no talk about changing that. Anyhow, Mary there in German League uh, to Bernie in 1850-333-103. But on the way, we're going to hear uh, how charities are representing uh, disabled pedestrians, why they're calling for sound devices and stricter speed limits to be put in place for e-scooters. We'll discuss that next. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Charities representing disabled pedestrians are calling for sound devices and stricter speed limits for e-scooters ahead of legislation due to be passed governing e-scooters and electric bikes. Well, joining me from the Irish Guide Dogs is Lane Kennedy. Good morning to you, Lane. Good morning. Thanks for having me on this morning. And thanks for joining us. I mean, when you call for sound devices, are you talking about something similar to an ordinary motorcycle or bike, like a bell or some type of humming sound? So it warns anybody and everybody that they are on the way. We're looking for, we're calling for both. Um, We're calling for a a consistent sound device that will be on e-scooters so that they're making noise at all times to warn um, pedestrians, in particular pedestrians with disabilities, um, that an e-scooter is approaching. But also, we're asking for um, a bell to to be put on, um, so that the the person using the e-scooter has an extra way of warning a pedestrian that they're coming up close by to them or passing by them. So we're we're asking for both under like since June of this year, um, electric vehicles and hybrid vehicles must have. Um, must have an, an audio device on them and we're asking for something similar to be to be put into the legislation to cover the use of e-scooters. And for someone who is in a wheelchair or someone who is visually impaired, what sort of problems are these e-scooters causing them? The, the, the difficulties that people are having at the moment and at, at the moment, like e-scooters, the use of e-scooters is becoming more and more common. Uh, um, but the difficulty is, especially for people who are blind or vision impaired, is that we can't see them, you can't hear them. So there's no way of preparing yourself that you are going to be in, uh, pass, that you are going to have an e-scooter passing by. Um, uh, there's nothing, there's nothing in regards of legislation prohibiting people using e-scooters from coming up onto the pedestrian pavement. So this is something that we are asking for in the Road Traffic and Road Bill 2021. That's up for discussion in the Dáil this week. We are asking that it is clearly prohibited for people using e-scooters to come up onto the pedestrian pavement, and also in certain areas where there's shared use of the pavement, such as dual cycle lanes and dual pedestrian. Pa- past and so on, we're ensuring that e-scooters cannot come up around someone who's using a long cane, using a wheelchair or using a guide dog. Um, it is very disconcerting for people. They've nowhere, no way of preparing themselves and also the e-scooters, they're so fast. 
there's no way to really prepare yourself and decide what your next step is so that you can move around them, um, especially for someone using a long cane or a guide dog. There's just no, no time to prepare yourself. Under the law, the under the current bill, the the maximum speed limit is 20 kilometres per hour and we're asking that the that the bill be amended so that the maximum speed limit will be 12 kilometres per hour. Yeah, and I mean, anybody who is not very fast in their feet could be affected by this also because they do come around at a, f- a faster pace, I would imagine, than 20k. You mentioned there about foot- footpaths uh, under this legislation. Uh, will you be able to prohibit e-scooters using footpaths then? I mean, is that something you would like to see implemented because it can be included, but it needs to be implemented? Yes, and that would be that would be down to the, the you know down in terms of how the regulation is going to be to be implemented. Like that's like maybe the it would come under the the rights of um, a traffic warden. It would come under the the remit of on guard or come under the the remit in general of the local authorities. This is unknown, and we very much would like that to be cleared up so that enforcement is key so that people using e-scooters would be deterred from hopping up onto the pedestrian pavements and you know, startling pedestrians, especially people using, especially people with disabilities. And the, the position paper that's been submitted has been worked on by Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind, the National Council for the Blind and Irish Wheelchair Association. We're working hard to create better awareness of how this legislation could impact on our service users, um, in particular people using a long cane and people with a guide dog, that it could impede their independence and their mobility. We need to make sure that they're feeling safe when they're out and about. And have you, I know here we're talking about e-scooters and electric um, bikes, but regarding electric cars, have you come across complaints from people in the last number of years as they get more popular? Because I, I was chatting earlier on with our breakfast presenter, Ken, and we were just saying that if you're in a car park and you're just putting away shopping or, you know, you're backing yourself out and about from the car, they come around, they're, they're so quiet, you wouldn't even notice them because we're used to the sound of a, a petrol or a diesel engine. While some electric cars are implementing sound devices. Have you come across that from people who, who use your own service as well in the past? Uh, yes, people people um, who use the services of Irish Guides for the Blind have have brought to our attention that they're feeling feeling anxious and, and worried about the, the use of these vehicles, as you say, because they are so silent. Um, and if you do encounter them in a like in a car park, people are more and more relying on the the help of a sighted person to ensure that they aren't they don't come into a, a, like a near, a near miss at one of these vehicles. And people who are blind and vision impaired have worked so hard to get a good level of independence and mobility that with these changes that are happening in the environment and in terms of vehicles, like we just need to make sure that they can, that their independent mobility is not impacted, that they still have the same confidence and safety that they had before. And we can understand why these changes are happening, um, but we just need to make sure that these people with disabilities are considered so that they're not feeling anxious and not feeling like, like feeling like they can get out about by themselves without having to rely on asking for help of other people. Yeah, and when we mentioned there about guide dogs uh, earlier on, uh, the guide dogs themselves, I mean, can one of these bikes, with Zoom's past, can it cause undue stress to the guide dog then? It can, but it's very challenging for for a guide dog. Um, they, they are concentrating and working so hard to keep their blind and vision impaired owners safe. And, the, and their main role is that they're helping their owner to avoid all obstacles. 
and they're very focused. Like when a guide dog is walking along a street with their with their owner, they are anticipating all the obstacles, including pedestrians, including bikes that be coming up on a cycle lane, including you know if like if a car is up on the pavement. Like obviously these are like practices and behaviors that we do ask that people don't do to think before you park. Think before you put your your household bin out. Make sure you're not in impacting and blocking the pedestrian pavement. But like the the dog is focusing and anticipating these obstacles. But with an e scooter, there is no time to react. There's no time. So the dog could be startled. And the best thing that an owner can do is just to to stop. The dog obviously would stop as well. If so, the only way it can warn the blind or vision impaired owner that they could be potentially having a near-miss or a collision with someone using an e-scooter and they just have to stop and then when the person goes by then the dog will carry on and the owner will continue to encourage the guide dog to keep going. Yeah, and you've only a matter of seconds then at that case and then, you know, depending where you are, it could be in the midst of an accident or you, you could just be in the midst of a near accident. It just depends on, on where that person is at that time. So uh, with everything we've discussed here, legislation is key, but when do you think this is due to be passed? Um, it could be soon. It could be before Christmas. Like really, we don't know. Um, it's at the second stage of the of of the stages that bills go through in terms of being implemented. The next stage is coming up. Will be in terms of discussion up the Shannon and so on. So it could be soon. It could be soon, or it could be down the road next year. We really don't know. But this is why we're working now to create awareness and to ensure all the relevant office committees are aware of the concerns of people with disabilities so that they ensure the legislation is is amended accordingly to facilitate their needs. Well, we'll wait and see what happens uh, with that when that goes through for the moment. Uh, Lane, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. That is Lane Kennedy there of the Irish Guide Dogs on that new legislation which will prevent e-scooters, uh, first of all, from just using the footpaths, but also uh, from them, you know, with no sounds coming up fast behind you and zooming past, which is having an impact on those who first of all have guide dogs, dogs but also uh, those who are visually impaired or just people who are just not fast in their feet also trying to jump out of the way fast when they come along on the footpath anyhow a lot of people have mixed views on this uh, Jerry says well we're all being encouraged to go environmentally friendly this is an option but yet now more laws will come out to prevent us using these on footpaths where else can we go if we have no cycle lanes says Jerry while another person on WhatsApp says e-scooters and Bicycles should be permanently banned from footpaths. E-scooters should be liable for tax and insurance, especially insurance, as they are mechanically propelled. Uh, thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. Also on WhatsApp, we will be speaking about positive diaries later in the programme, but here's a positive one from Fimber in Bantry who says Good morning John Paul I'm sitting outside in the warm sunshine looking at my wild roses in bloom my primroses will soon be in flower and I'm waiting for the daffodils it's amazing says Fimber in Bantry thank you Fimber for your WhatsApp Record today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 Animal welfare laws in Ireland need to be broadened to deal with the trade in illegal puppy smuggling now the issue was raised by the DSPCA at the Joint Committee of the Agricultural Food and Marine and joining me to discuss the problem we have with puppy farms in this country is Brian Gillen of the Dublin Society of the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Good morning to you Brian. 
Good morning, John Paul. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for joining us. I mean, yourself and other animal welfare organisations will say puppy farming is our biggest animal welfare problem in this country and everybody who is an animal lover will agree with you on this. But do we have any laws in this country to currently deal with this? Well, at the moment it sits within the local authorities and I think, you know, while they make every effort, um, really the laws just aren't there. Um, we have a series of guidelines in place, but they're not, they're not, a, they're of no legal effect. Um, what we're calling for is for the Department of Agriculture, who look after food animals and other animals, to take on this area, and let's move away from the guideline idea and let's have some let's have some laws that we can implement. Um, that's the big change we'd like to see. Like the uh, the point I made at the committee is, look at this whole industry is based on on two premises. The first one is is cruelty, and the cruelty thing is. For the mums that are living their lives, uh, producing uh, puppy after puppy after puppy, for the puppies that are being transported uh, across borders um, for long periods of time, when they're quite young, you know, six and eight weeks old, we've come across them being being transported to the UK. And then I suppose the second pillar of it is really is the whole deception piece. You know, we've done some research that says nobody in their right mind would buy a puppy from a puppy farm, a a farm that produces, um, with, which has six and five and six hundred breeding bitches on it, and produces thousands of puppies every year. I defy anybody to say to me that you can have a good animal coming from that. It's just not. It's not an area where uh, you can produce a good animal, and I think. The whole industry is based around this thing of cruelty and deception. So deception is all about trying to fool the consumer that all is well, whereas in reality it's not. It's far from well. And we know of certain areas in the country are worse when it comes to puppy farmers than others. Should dog breeding, should it be under remit maybe of the Department of Agriculture or some remit? Yeah, well, that's what we've called for. Like, we're not, again, there are plenty of good breeders in the country. You know, we work hand-in-hand with the Irish Kennel Club. And, you know, it's all about having a maximum number of uh, breeding bitches on your, on your, in, in your, in your place where you have the, the breeding going on. You know, we've, we, between us, we've agreed that a number of 30 bitches is probably about a, a good number. But certainly, there are, you know, 60, 50, 60, units in Ireland at the moment where there's there's over a hundred uh, bitches on a on a farm and then there are a handful where you have five and six hundred bitches on a farm. So, you know, it's just to get that if we could just start by getting that number down, if people have thirty bitches, there's still plenty of opportunity there for people to make a for to make a living at it if that's what they cho- so chose to do but this this industrial scale stuff that's the stuff we really have the problem with and do we have any idea of how many of these type of industrial puppy farms we have in this country yeah well there's 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 give or take 90 uh, approximately registered in the country uh, and that's the next thing with it like trying to find information it's on some local authority websites that they've published where where these places are but in uh, in others it's not you know others will claim that well GDPR uh, we cannot we cannot publish the details of these people so it's not it's all about this deception idea and 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 really the laws are complicit in that at the moment and we'd like to see that 
see that change where there's there's openness that people know what they're getting when they buy a puppy and they're not faced with situations where the the animal they get has you know genetic problems severe medical problems that need you know veterinary treatment and and that type of thing that look the the animal is the animal that we want to see a good animal being produced by breeders and and that's for the benefit of the consumers and for the animals themselves you know and that that's really where we're we're coming from you know and also education for those who are buying or want to buy a dog or a puppy. I mean, we I suppose because we deal with this, we're aware of where you shouldn't be going. But a lot of people who may not be ever conscious of what is happening out there, you know, we hear people going along to car parks to buy a yeah. puppy. And, and, you know, I, I think if you're going to a car park to buy a dog, there's something wrong there than going to an actual location where you can see uh, where the dogs are being bred yeah. or, or, or a farm or something like that. Well, there, there's all that deception there, and like you know, okay, we people make mistakes, and it's it's like to me, it's crazy stuff to go to a car park. But I think, you know, with COVID and these times we're living in, it it will be the perfect opportunity for a puppy farmer to say, well, look, at you can't come to my home because I have because of COVID, and there is uh, we've seen more of this kind of deception thing going on than, than maybe we had seen before and that's why we're that's why we're calling for this at this stage like it's in terms of the number of dogs in the country like it's 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 gone up by on an average year over covid the numbers are up by 25% so there's a lot more puppies being bred than ever was the case before um and that know, law that was introduced in 2013 when they more or less updated the animal health and welfare act that never included the cruelty or, or the no, area it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't apply to the puppy farm area. Like the whole Animal Health and Welfare Act is is aimed at at pets, and uh, it's it is a very good piece of legislation. And we here, as well as the ISPCA, are authorised officers under it. And a lot of progress has been made with the general public. But the puppy farm thing, because it's on a farm, it's it's effectively exempt. We, our authorised officers, cannot go onto those farms, and it's covered by a piece of legislation which is under the, the Department of Rural Affairs, which is the the DBE that um, it's the it's the um, dog breeding establishments legislation, but it only really contains guidelines. It's not of legal effect, and it's not in the local authorities it's too fragmented they can't enforce it mm. in the same way as I believe the Department of Agriculture can can enforce proper legislation as opposed to guidelines Totally and they don't have the resources then in the local authorities either to do this well hopefully uh, something will happen following your meeting last week with the Please commission God. in the Iraq yeah. you know, and, and, and those that, that Animal Welfare Act from 2013 will be updated to deal with these puppy farms it seems yeah. you know, obvious it should be but we'll wait and see what happens for the moment Brian thanks for joining us this morning Morning on the programme. Thank you. Uh, take care. Brian Giddon there, who's from the Dublin Society of the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Now, uh, just going back to something we discussed at the very start of the programme, and this was the rising cases of COVID 19. And I suppose what will happen now and what's going to happen when the Cabinet uh, Subcommittee meet today uh, and what will we hear tomorrow from that and NIFID also uh, are meeting to discuss what can be done as the hospitals are under pressure. Well on that a lot of calls and comments in regarding this. First of all a texter here saying uh, we should as a country close the nightclubs. Common sense. That's why cases are so high says this texter and to be honest uh, this texter feels the vaccines aren't working the way they should be because 
because this texture says if they were working, we would not have nearly 4,000 cases. We are where we are nearly two years ago. Vaccine or no vaccine or search shown at premises. It really doesn't make a difference. And me and my family are fully vaccinated against COVID, uh, says that texter. And I know a lot of people are very frustrated about that. The fee, I know John has texted as well saying, you know, we've done everything we possibly can do. Uh, I've got myself fully vaccinated, says John. Uh, but yes, there's talks of the restrictions maybe coming back. Now, there's no full talk of restrictions coming back. There could be something small happening, but I, we're not going into another lockdown. And that was made very clear uh, by the uh, Taoiseach, Michal Martin, last week. And again, last night when he was asked by a journalist, but uh, a lot of people frustrated that they, I, I think people thought maybe with the vaccines that everything would go back to being OK. But uh, with the vaccine, I mean, the vaccines have been around for years and so nothing new, uh, but they are to prevent somebody getting really sick. Uh, so in case of an underlying condition, if someone did contract COVID-19, the thing is you could end up in hospital, you could end up in ICU really sick. The vaccine will prevent that, hopefully for the majority of people uh, ending up in that situation. That's not to say someone who has an underlying condition could still end up in hospital or in ICU. Uh, it could happen depending on you know your, your condition you have. Uh, but regarding vaccination, they are preventing people from ending up in a serious situation within hospital. Uh, so if we didn't have those, would we at this stage be in a situation where our hospitals are totally full and running over capacity than if we didn't have so many people vaccinated in this country. That's the question I think a lot of people would, would have to ask because, I mean, for my own personal situation, I did receive uh, the vaccine, but I, about nine, ten years ago, I had a tumour in my lung um, and I had to get massive surgery for that. Uh, which involved basically opening up the whole chest and back uh, of my body and removing that tumour from the lung while removing a large proportion of my left lung also, which means I have one fully functional lung and the other not so much. Uh, And if... I was to get it, well, I think I would be in a situation whereby if I get a chest infection, I go missing for two or three weeks because my chest just simply can't cope, as you would imagine. Uh, And anybody in a likewise situation would tell you the exact same story. Uh, So that's why I would hope it would work for me that if I uh, did hopefully never will but if I did pick it up uh, I would imagine uh, because if I get a chest infection I've often been here and gone to the doctor and ended up in Mallow Hospital uh, recently in 2017 you know and it was a really bad chest infection but that's what can happen Um, so you know people are judging this that and the other thing uh, about vaccines I think really we have to be mindful that not everybody is going to be going around telling their own personal story of why they got it or why they're not getting it Uh, it's a personal choice but you know they do work for people maybe like me and others who could end up in a really bad situation if we got it and a lot of people are finding out they have underlying conditions they never knew they had so you know they while I know people are very frustrated saying they're not working they may be preventing a lot of people going to hospital and that's what a vaccine is Uh, vaccines are never meant to be something that is going to magically make any illness disappear Uh, that's why we get the flu jab some people get the flu jab some people don't Uh, some people get vaccines for different things over the years and some people don't and it's up to it's up to yourself it's your own personal choice but if someone gets it or someone doesn't get it again you know th- that is that is their choice um, and I, people, it's a very emotive issue it is but 
you know, th- there's reasons why people do get it and there's reasons why people don't get it. But saying uh, about the vaccine, you know, isn't working. It has to be because otherwise the cases in hospitals would be a lot, a lot worse, uh, especially for people uh, who would have underlying conditions. So uh, th- that's just an example, you know, th- that is out there. And, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be something that I think will be spoken about a lot more over the next while. Uh, John uh, is asking as well about the vaccines. I mean, like, a lot of frustration on this this morning. And I can totally see why. I mean, we were all told to do what we have done uh, and still we're in a situation where cases are going up and figures are going up so I can totally understand people's frustrations and it's not it's not nice to see that happening and hear of what could happen restriction wise again hopefully not and I have audio from Michal Martin when he was speaking last week I'll play that in a while just because I think people are thinking we're going back into a lockdown when, when we are not and even uh, professors and scientists have said that you know a lockdown wouldn't be good for anybody, uh, especially when it comes to the issue of mental health. But there's no talk of going back into a full lockdown. Uh, but on this, John's saying, yeah, figures going up and up and up. Uh, John feels at this stage, could we be seeing cases of 10,000? Hopefully not. Uh, but John feels that the great governments only decide now to get more people to work from home. And the society that was opened back up lately, for example, nightclubs, soccer, rugby matches, he says, throw in the uh, good old pubs into this as well. They were all well looked after in the last lockdown. Nobody went hungry, says John. It's Christmas 2020 all over again. We are heading for a disaster, uh, says John on WhatsApp to 0862103103. So uh, a lot of views there, mixed views on the situation, what is happening at the moment. So going to the schools, because I suppose this is the reality then of of what is happening on the ground uh, regarding those who are working in schools and picking up uh, the virus. Uh, Mary is in Rathcool. Uh, Mary says her daughter is a teacher and was sick last Thursday with flu symptoms. They are living together since COVID. Now, her granddaughter is studying in Mary I in Limerick and she got COVID and went home to her old house, which is empty at the moment. So she went back to Limerick and she is fine. But now her mother has flu symptoms. Her antigen test was clear, but she was so ill, she decided to go back to her old house, which is still unoccupied. Now, she went to Tralee for a proper COVID test. She has COVID. And now as a result of that, Mary is a close contact and she is devastated. Uh, She spoke to Bernie a while ago, quite upset as Mary. And Mary, we're thinking of you because... Uh, Mary is living alone uh, now because of this. Her granddaughter has left Mary I and is now subbing for her mother as the schools cannot get subs. Uh, She believes her daughter got it from the pupils at her school as the pupils who were close contact are still allowed to be in the school. And Mary is asking, what is the point of her minding herself at all at this time if the schools are not doing their bit? Now Mary cannot be in contact with her own family or any of her family or friends and she is afraid that she may already have passed it on to someone on maybe have passed it on to the grandchildren uh, says Mary well Mary we're thinking of you and I know it's, it's, it's an awful situation to be in if you're in a close contact situation like that and you're wondering uh, you know that you can't go and now and visit anybody and that you're on your own there so we do think of you Mary but here's another similar situation we have got from Marie and I'm not going to mention the school here in question because I don't have evidence of this myself personally but uh, Marie is uh, just I suppose adding on to Mary's concern there regarding schools and this is regarding a secondary school and she's worried with the high numbers this school 
that she mentions doesn't appear to be taking the precautions seriously enough. She's been told by students that some students in fifth and sixth year are wearing masks incorrectly, i.e. not covering their nose and the teachers are okay with this. The question is, while students are in school, should teachers be more diligent with regard to mask wearing or is it the sole responsibility of the students? Now, students at home with COVID, should the students who were sitting next to these students be informed so that they could take COVID tests at home to help prevent the spread to their families. Uh, Marie just wants to know why is everything a big secret and schools with COVID and with high COVID numbers like the school she, she's talking about here which again I, I can't mention because I don't any, have any evidence of if somebody is wearing a mask incorrectly or not uh, shouldn't these students be given antigen tests at least once a week doesn't the school have a duty of care to all their students it's very distressing at the moment for those in an unsafe environment well that is something and thank you for your email Marie uh, to Cork today at c103.ie that is something that is being spoken about about making those antigen tests available to all schools and for the general public to reduce the price of those tests but as you mentioned there with regards to the mask wearing I mean, students in fifth and sixth year, what age are they? 16, 17, 18 at that stage? You know, you would hope that at that age you'd have some personal responsibility. And yes, the teacher could say from the top of the class, you know, wear your mask properly. Uh, but, you know, would it make a huge difference at the end of the day then? I'm not sure. And also then with the fact that you have uh, as you say, the secrets surrounding this, it's, it's, it's been given from the Department of Education, the directive, it's not the school's fault, but they don't have to tell uh, people who are in the school. I mean, th- that is a- another situation that people are facing whereby they feel if someone in their class has COVID-19 and they're not told about it and the child is going into school the next day, could there be a fear the child is bringing it home? And that is a massive concern uh, to all parents. But it's a lot of that is going back to the directive that the schools are getting uh, from the Department of Education. Anyhow, Marie, thank you for your email to Cork Today at c103.ie. I have a lot of other emails through to get to as well um, on uh, bikes and cycling on the roads and e-bikes and all e-scooters. Uh, plus, uh, from the weekend, of course, uh, COP26 in Glasgow. A lot of people asking what was the need of that going on because nothing really happened. Anyhow, I'll get to those comments shortly. Uh, keep them coming to 1850-333-103. Bernie on the phone. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Uh, on the way, though, we are going to deal with what people are worried about there first of all the school situation and then the shortage of sub-teachers in our classrooms we'll discuss that next C103 Jobs and on today's today's job spot even we have opportunities which include the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow they require a chef de party and also a pizza chef you can send your email and CVs to exechef at hibernianhotel.com Alps in Mill Street they require general operatives you can email info at alps.ie for an application form and the Quality Hotel in Clonakilty has a vacancy for a full-time bar person send your CV and a cover letter now to mcarolan at clonakiltyparkhotel.ie you'll get these jobs and more online now just go to c103.ie forward slash job Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Primary schools say they are being forced to use teachers who should be supporting children with additional needs to cover for classroom teachers who were out sick because many... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Schools say it's impossible now to source substitute teachers. So could student teachers reach out and help out schools who are struggling? Well, Fianna Fáil Deputy Cahill Crow from Clare joins me on this as he feels they could. Good morning to you, Cahill. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. I mean, you yourself, of course, are a former teacher, and I believe, was it lately you had to step in and sub in a school? Yeah, I was a teacher for 16 years in Party National School, and uh, I've been aware for the last number of weeks that there's been a sub in crisis. Uh, I very much keep abreast of teaching issues. My, my wife, my sister, most of my friends are teachers, so I know exactly what they're facing each day, and I keep in contact with them. Um, so there has been a problem, particularly magnified, I think, over the last three weeks or so, where schools just simply couldn't get subbing. So I joined a WhatsApp group here in Clare. There's about 200 uh, teachers and uh, principals on it. And every night of the week, requests would come out, pleas would come out uh, from principals who can't get a sub for the following day. And I've been tracking this for a few days. And then, um, as it so happened there, uh, Friday of the previous week, um, I was able to rejig some of my own political meetings to free up the morning and I went in myself, rolled up the sleeves and went subbing for the day to help out. Okay, well done. And was, I mean, how long have you been away from the classroom and were you a teacher when you were a counsellor there in Clare? Yeah, I was a teacher and a counsellor. Um, I went into the council and teaching at the age of 21. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, my last day with teaching would have been just on the eve of the general election. Um, and the, the proverbial was literally hitting the fan that day. Um, I was acting up as principal we had a backup of sewers in the school trying to get suction cleaned and then Leo Radker called the general election. So that was the last colourful day I had in parenting school and then I was back in there last week for um, a slightly more normal day. But obviously you could see the stresses of COVID on, on staff and students, but um, they're doing an excellent job as all teachers are at the moment. And you mentioned that the stress of what's happening on students and also on parents. I mean, this morning I've inundated with calls, texts and emails from uh, parents and grandparents who are aware there possibly is a positive COVID-19 case in the school, but because of what has been handed down from the Department of Education and the directives given to schools, you know, no one knows who the case was and they're fearful that it could have spread to others in the school and then pupils are going home and they're going back in again. I mean, is that something that teachers are very concerned and aware about? And I know some schools are excellent and are informing uh, those who have a, a sick relative in the home or someone they know of as underlying conditions that there is a case, but is it proving difficult for teachers to make those calls? Well, in the first case, yeah, it is difficult for teachers. In the first case, I don't think we need to know the identity of the person. 
Uh, I remember back in the first wave of COVID, there were many Facebook groups operating around the country where parents were speculating the names of children who may have been COVID positive within a school. And that was totally wrong. I, I saw screenshots of one group where names were being bandied about willy-nilly and totally inappropriate. Um, so there's a need, of course, for a certain amount of information. Uh, you'd have a lot of teachers at any given time living at home with elderly parents or someone who's unwell. You could have teachers who are pregnant as well. Um, so I think there is a need, and that's just the teacher population. You've a lot of children going home to similar scenarios as well. But there is a need for a certain amount of information, and I hope today when Cabinet meets, uh, they're going to be looking at an- antigen testing becoming more of a feature of Irish life. I think it needs to happen. It can't happen quick enough. And I think that will allow an extra layer of protection and screening so that when we go to places, whether it's our local school, um, shop, pub, wherever, we go with a certain amount of knowledge that those around us are COVID-free and not transmitting the virus. And are teachers then coming under pressure from maybe parents and others if there is someone in the school and it's known that there has been a case to inform them of who it is or how do they deal with a situation like that? I don't know entirely, but um, I, that, that's not something I was dealing with when I was in subbing the mm. school. Um, but yes, look, I mean, I think people need to know that there's COVID in a school. They need to know a certain amount of it. But, but there is a balance to be struck here, as on John Paul. It's, there is uh, the individual child has a right to um, some degree of anonymity as well. Yeah, and privacy. To know this. Yeah, of course, absolutely. And I think that has been the principle the whole way along. Um, it shouldn't always fall back on the principle to have to be the key communicator here when, uh, with the first onset of COVID. Uh, the HSE had a helpline where they took over uh, a lot of the communications and I think we probably need something streamlined because we're going to be living with COVID it appears for some time yet and uh, we have some very good systems I would say Minister Norma Foley has done quite a good job in being the helmswoman of the department at this time and yet there's a lot can, that can be learned week on week and obviously the current crisis manifesting itself in schools is that of a shortage of substitute teachers uh, and there's actions being taken to address that as well. And I mean, when we speak about the substitute teachers, we knew this would happen. And it was mentioned by teachers in the summer before they broke up for the summer months uh, that when it did come into the winter months, you will have people who have flu symptoms. You know, they'll have to go for the test. They can't go into the classroom. And then there could be someone within the school, uh, a student who did test positives. And, and that leads to the teacher then going for testing. So that means you have more out, but you have no one to fill in for these teachers. And this is what we're raising this morning, uh, using student teachers as substitute teachers because I'm aware of schools who every morning they have that situation whereby staff members are sick uh, they're ringing around the sub-teachers and they've been taken by other schools in the area uh, so student teachers I mean it is the answer and, and I, I know some already even this morning we got calls from people who were in Mary Eye who are being now sent to schools to fill the gap more or less for, for the day or two or three days Yeah it's quite quite a genuine reason why teachers are out at the moment teachers are very resilient and normally speaking in the profession when there's a a cough or a sniffle, a teacher would drag themselves in. In fact, a lot of teachers would say it's easier to put down a day in the classroom than it is to be absent because the day you call in sick, there's it's, there's a lot of onerous paperwork to fill in. Uh, so what's happening at the moment, though, John Paul, is that when a teacher does have a cough or a sniffle, that can be considered a COVID symptom. So they have to absent themselves, get tested, await the test results. Even in the best-case scenario, that could be four days of absence. Um the school then struggling to get a replacement teacher. Another factor then, John Paul, is that when a teacher is lined up to replace, a sub-teacher is lined up, uh, they can very often be booked into sub for two days in the school and along comes an offer for maybe three consecutive weeks in another school. You can't blame the sub-teacher. They will naturally go where there's more work and more pay. Um, one of the things I've been suggesting to Minister Armour Foley, you now she has taken very decisive action 
She has set up a national panel of sub-teachers. She has further bolstered that with an additional 100 teachers in the past fortnight. Uh, but the student teachers, as you've mentioned, I was one myself in 2006, and I used to look forward a lot of Fridays back then, taking a day out of college, going out and subbing in local schools and coming away with money in my pocket, which was like manna from heaven. Uh, but that practice has more or less been whittled out over the years. Um, but I've been making the point to Minister Foley that a final year teacher, um, you know, they've done all their training, they've done all of their uh, pedagogical studies, they're all but they're all but qualified, all but graduated. They can really go out and do this. They're now on a 14-week teaching practice placement. It's very regimental, very structured, very much college-driven. Uh, whereas when I was in college, we did a two-week practice placement. I think the logical thing for this academic year would be cut, cut short this 14-week period, let them out into classrooms, let them into the real world. They'll earn a crust. They'll be damn glad to earn that money. And I think it would be to huge benefit of the schools as well. And a benefit to the student teacher because there's nothing like hands-on experience in any job. So more time in the classroom dealing with real life will stand to them Absolutely. when they eventually do become a teacher. 100%. When I was there that Friday in, in the local schools, uh, I arrived in, I got a, an A4 sheet, a brief sheet, five minutes to read it, and in you go teaching. Uh, and that's real-world teaching. You know, that's really what it's like. Um, and you get paid at the end of the day. Now, I, sorry, I need to be very crystal clear here. I didn't get paid. I decided to sub unpaid and on the basis I wouldn't displace anyone. But the point I'm making is that uh, a young teacher coming in um, would actually get paid for that day. And I think that's a lot more attractive than um, than a day without paying, trudging through the college work. The, the day I had was full of colour. I began with Paw Patrol and um, frozen jigsaws with senior infants. And later on in the afternoon, I was doing long division and comprehension worksheets that's kind of real life teaching it's learning on your feet um, and, and I hope students will get that opportunity we, we had that when I was in college we were all the better for it and as I said our pockets were lined at the end of the week it was fabulous going to college the following week which you had some very nice pocket money to spend and socialise and do all the normal students yeah, so you'd hope that if this does, if they go ahead with this, that, that, that they would use more student teachers and, and the benefit would be for the for the student. Then, you know, you have the money to go along and pay for college fees and the likes. Um, for yourself, I mean, will you think you will be going back subbing again? I will. Um, I, I might even do a little bit this week. But I want to be crystal clear. My first job at the moment is a politician uh, and I'm trying to pursue solutions to this within the political channels. Uh, when, when I do sub, I don't drop the political ball. I just reshuffle my day and put things on in the afternoon. Uh, I will only sub when there's no pay involved. I won't take a red cent. And only when there's no other sub available. I don't want to displace someone. And the other thing I would just say, in terms of other options, I've been suggesting to Minister Foley that the school inspectorate should be now redeployed back into classrooms. These are people who've risen to the highest ranks of the profession. They're teachers. If you want to say they're experts in the profession, in fact, um, and I think they have a role to play. There is precedence here, John Paul. Um, you would often see on Garda Síochána on large days where there's, uh, you know, on the, like a Munster final day or an All Ireland final or a concert when they're under a bit of pressure with policing, uh, their inspectors fall into file, uh, rank and file with the other guards. And I think we could do the very same with teaching for the next few weeks. Uh, I think it's got to be all hands on deck. I'm happy to play my part. Um, we need political solutions, and I want to be part of that too. But I think. 
anyone who is available to sub I think should roll up their sleeves and help out in schools as well Okay well hopefully they will and uh, keep schools running the way they should be for the moment Cahill uh, thank you for joining us this morning there that is the Fianna Fáil Deputy Cahill Crow from Clare uh, a former teacher but now as he mentioned there subbing again in the classroom helping out in uh, the local school where he, he is from and I'm sure many others will be doing the same uh, and we're hearing even this morning on our phone lines of student teachers who were contacting us uh, from Mary I going in now to sub uh, in the schools obviously they're in their, their final year but they're going into sub in schools in various parts of the county anyhow your views to welcome on that and what can happen 1850 text or whatsapp 0862103103 and on the way we're going to speak with Brendan Sands you'll remember Brendan from last year because we feature him every year on the show his get up and go diaries those diaries with the inspirational quotes and the positive additions he releases every year well his 2022 ones are out and we'll chat with Brendan next you're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 And next year's Get Up and Go Diaries, they are now available in all your local bookshops. And to chat more about the 2022 editions, I'm joined by the publisher, Brendan Sands. Brendan, a very good morning to you. Good morning, John. Paul, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. And it's hard to believe 18 years of your diaries and journals. I mean, at this stage, Brendan, I know every year people will ring us around now asking, uh, when is that lovely man from the North coming on regarding (laughs) (laughs) regarding his diaries? And that, of course, lovely man is Brendan Sands. And uh, Brendan, you must have a a real loyal following at this stage. Yeah, it's it's really, really good, you know, and uh, just all completely over the country, you know, uh, like I do, I do like the 30, I cover the 32 counties and, you know, I just love being in all of the counties, but there is a great following out there right now. And, you know, people know that, uh, you know, that our product is delivering like a quality, like inspiration and motivation, you know, and getting, getting, getting them up and go, what I would call it, getting them up and going, you know, and, you know, even myself, I stay up and going, you know, using these diaries all the time, you know, day after yeah. day, you know. Because it's been a crazy year, Brendan. I mean, we, we we usually would be meeting up here in the studio. You would call a few weeks in advance and come in and we'd have a chat and then you'd be here today with us. But, you know, th- that aspect is gone. And you were saying yourself, you missed that. And so many others missed the aspect of just meeting people and that they couldn't do so for so long. So I think in a year that it was mental and crazy for all of us, we do need more so than ever uh, that inspiration and indeed those positivity, which is contained in all these diaries. I mean, uh, is this why this year you have the daily guide to good health and well-being diary which is, is fantastic is is that why you continue on producing diaries like this absolutely because you know I mean we we can make it honestly i, I do i do believe that uh, you know I mean, our books really do make a difference out mm. there you know and as you were saying there earlier on you know to, to actually miss actually calling in with you guys just like it's just like it's just like crazy for me you know because i just love meeting people calling in with them having a chat Sometimes we have coffee in some of the shops, you know, and, you know, everybody just, just like, loves the conversation, you know what I mean? And then with, you know, with, with the pandemic and the, the, the stages and the, and the way the stuff is at the moment is just like, you know I mean? It's really annoying for everyone, you know? And then, like, you know, people talking, telling me about a lockdown coming again, and it's just, I don't want that, and, and, and not many people. But we do have to be responsible for looking after each other, you know, all the time, and, and looking after yourself, you know. But lots of people is get, certainly getting motivation from our products because we can see that with the, with the amount of repurchases and stuff, you know, coming through and giving us calls, sending letters, sending notes. You know, it's just, it's just great, you know. Yeah, and you mentioned there about travelling around and you do a lot of that to the various shops. I mean, are you noticing a lot of isolation when you are travelling around to various areas? 
Well, I find that, you know, whenever I go into shops, uh, uh, you know, people is wearing masks, you know, the, 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 the assistants or the managers or whatever it is is wearing the mask. And I wear my mask and sometimes a visor as well. And, you know, I mean, it's just about being responsible for myself and for the other people in the shops, you know, because I don't, I don't want COVID. I'm sure there's not many people that I know, you know, that ever even wanted it in the first place, you know, so... As far as going around shops and this type of thing, I find a lot of people is being careful and, and really, really looking after themselves, you know. And, and uh, you know, it, it's like everything else. If I see something that's not working for me, I'll just up and leave because, you know I mean, we, we have to be responsible, you know. Yeah, totally. And, and that's your advice uh, uh, to, to look after each other, basically, for, for the year ahead. On the diaries, Brendan, I mean, I, I mentioned there the good health and well-being one. Yeah, do you have a, a lot of uh, quotes in these that are inspirational, but also that I think we should always have in our mind anyhow, because one of them says, don't speak when you're angry. I mean, that's... <laughs> That should be one I think that everybody should be thinking of. And also, uh, there's another one here that says, be a player, not a spectator. So uh, from quotes, there's also interesting phrases there that can play on a person's life. But what I like this year, uh, Brendan, you have the usual, the diary for busy women, but you have a hardback version, which is a daily planner. That's right. That's that's our flagship. Uh, I would say that that's our flagship uh, diary, you know, this year. Mm. Uh, and it was it actually came out late last year, so... You know, it, it still it, it still went really well. However, we we felt we didn't have enough. You know, like the daily planner. You know, is like you know, as far as I, I'm concerned. You know, what I mean, like inside this this particular book, there's monthly reflections, monthly actions, food planner. You know, a health planner. Uh, there's even a financial tracker in it. But we do ask people in the financial tracking. You know, what I mean, not to write anything down that someone else could see. You know, what I mean, like oh, it would really yeah. be very private. You know, but it is a f- fantastic book. You know, and. Uh, Anyone that has it absolutely is loving it. But it is, as I say, it is our flagship uh, product for this year, you know, and uh, closely followed by the, the, the Good Health and Wellbeing Journal, you know. But once again, you know, even, even uh, the diary for the young people uh, yeah. has become very, very popular uh, now as well, you know. Like, uh, like, I have three grandchildren, John Paul, that, uh, no, this is me talking, uh, that actually love this book. And it actually creates conversation in the home, like, at, at dinner time. You know, my son and daughter is telling me, like, you know, that they can have a conversation across the table. You know, what did this mean for today, Daddy or Mummy? You know, whatever the case may be, you know. That's good then, because a lot of families are saying that they're trying to get them off the phones at the dinner table. So if you can create a conversation, uh, th- that is key uh, at the dinner table. The gratitude journal, Brendan, that was a huge, and it, it is this year, I'm sure, but over the last few years was a huge success from the feedback we got here. Well, yeah, well, once again, you know, I mean, what what are you grateful for? You know, what mm. what did your what did your day? You know, I mean, what did your day create that you know you can actually be grateful for for tomorrow? You know, or or this evening when you go to bed or whatever the case may be, and just write down what you're grateful for, and that is a really really good thing as well. You know, and it gives you a lift then for the next day to move on in and see what you can be grateful for the next day as well. You know, this type of thing. You know, so it's up to yourself. You know, I mean, filling in that day, uh, you know, the gratitude journal. You know, for uh, just for ongoing daily inspiration once again and, and gratitude you know true and the diary which is being posted right across the world because when we gave away these last year we got people telling us they were sending them to Australia to Canada to South Africa uh, this is the Irish get up and go diary for 2022 and yeah. again some fantastic quotes in this like this one put a rogue in the limelight and he will act like an honest man uh, and <laughs> and that diary I mean it was is huge I think more so in the last few years when we couldn't get out and about and, and fly to different countries 
Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's the truth, you know. And and, and once again, it, this is happening again now as well. You know, like uh, people actually sending sending to to us, even even to us for them, and then they're they're posting them on. And actually, some people is actually re- re- requiring us actually just to send them on because of the, some of the delays last year were, were quite long uh, in post getting like to the like of Australia and Canada and that type of thing as well. You know, so you know they they were. Posting them all over the world, and you know, I mean, I think the, the busy woman diary, as we spoke about earlier on, it's uh, it's quite creeping up on the Irish get up and go diary, you know. And the diary is, you know, self-explanatory. You know, it's like a diary for a busy woman. You know, but I don't know any women that's not busy. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> all very busy. Actually, speaking about busy, uh, I must uh, ask you about your daughter. We'll go back to the books in a while, but uh, just as you mentioned, busy women, your daughter, she's a, we've, we've chatted about her every time you join us and even off here as well. And it's been, a, I suppose, a, a kind of worrying year, you could say, for her in a way, considering everything going on. Um, you've been very open in telling us that Sandra has CF. Uh, first of all, how is she doing? Doing really, really well, John Paul. Yes, thank you for asking about her. Yes, yes, Sandra was on the uh, was on the program, the Arcanby program, and uh, her her lung function levels was was actually doing well. I would have said okay, but she said it wasn't like. But uh, she was in around twenty one, twenty two on her lung function. But she started, you know, she started on uh, the trick after what I would class as the trick after program, and her lung function actually rose from twenty one, twenty two till thirty. You know. So, uh, you know, when, as far as uh, lung function goes, it, it's really, really good, you know, and, and she's happy enough now. You know, she does say to me, you know, well, what will I do? You know what I'm saying? Like, go to 40 if you can, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then with with, uh, with the lung transplant, you know, I think, like, once you get uh, your lung function, like, go raise it above 30 plus, they sort of look to take you off the lung transplant list, at, at, you know what I mean, at that time, you know. But if, if you're down below that, you know, that 30 number, you know, it's really difficult to, like, well, what I find, uh, it's really difficult for Sandra to fly to because she's actually attached to, uh, number one, the Belfast City Hospital and number two, the Freeman's Hospital in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, you know. Mm. So is she and still on the transplant list even she though is, she, she is? Yeah, She is still on the transplant list, you know. But, like, you know, here's me, like, uh, sort of looking for, uh, like, what I was looking for, even when I was talking to Teresa last time, was, uh, you know, the, the like of the Matter Hospital in Dublin to become the centre of excellence for lung transplant in Ireland, meaning that, you know, if, if a lung becomes available in the Republic of Ireland anywhere, that my daughter can actually travel down to Dublin and maybe get that. You know, if it's, in, if it's a, like a really tight match, you know, a really close match, uh, she could actually travel. But right now she can't do that because... Well, because of um, an imaginary line that's running through the country and I suppose with Brexit and all of that type of thing, you know, kicked in, it's you know. madness so, though, isn't it really, when you think it, about it, it, with all this talk about United Ireland and, uh, and, and Brexit and borders, yeah. I mean, it's, it's mad to think that we're stopping someone, you know, travelling right. an hour down I mean? the road. Forget about the United Ireland and the United Anything business. You know what I mean? Let's look at the patients and the exactly. people that actually the, the patients that need a lung transplant. Now, I'm not specifically talking about uh, you know cystic fibrosis uh, lung transplant patients because if you need a lung, it doesn't matter what 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 the issue is. You need a lung. That's the simple that it is. You know. Mm, you no, know, true. Yeah, and so, anybody else who was in need of an organ transplant, it, it should be you know transparent as you said. You shouldn't be, be dealing with those type of uh, imaginary borders that, that that we are dealing with, unfortunately. That, and that's correct. You know, yeah. but the, you know. The the other thing too, you know, which I, I didn't mention last year, you know, not that I can remember, you know, is like, you know, I mean, if, if people actually would carry an, an organ donation card. Mm, the importance you know, like, of those. And, you know, 
even if the politicians would, you know, I mean, even if politicians would actually encourage people to carry a lung transplant card, you know, that would be great as well. You know, a lot of the politicians on your your shows there, you know, mm-hmm. could say, you know, may finish off by saying, listen, carry a lung donor or, a, or an organ donation card because not just like lungs, but like you know, kidneys and eyes and you know, all all other parts of the body that can be used again, you know, and you know. You know, maybe not everyone agrees with that, but that, that's your own personal, that's your own personal, uh, you know. If the people want to, it's, it's their choice to, to carry the cars. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And uh, it yeah. may be useful. It may come in and it may save somebody's life and it may make a huge difference to, to someone else, you know. Yeah, no, so like, totally. You know, so as far as that goes, you know what I mean? But then this is me, as I say, just uh, this is my uh, interpretation of all of this, you know. I, and I, I heard you speaking this morning about... Uh, the silence of uh, the silence of the electric cars and the, oh, the yeah, scooters yeah. and stuff, you know. And like once again, Sandra is partially hearing, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I think I'm partially hearing myself. Tell you the <laughs> truth, and uh, you know th- these vehicles is right up on the top of you before you know what's going on. They are just incredibly silent, you know. They are, no the, noise at all. The new cars, I know they, they are going to bring them into the new electric cars they're saying, but for the ones that are already on the market and that are driving around, they can be on top of you before you realise it. Now, you know, the drivers, in fairness to anybody I've come across, they stop, but you don't hear them, so you, you don't realise they're so near you. You can't hear them, you know. It's really great. You know, maybe I should get an electric car myself. <laughs> my, the problem with my electric car, uh, me having an electric car, you know, once I like, go down to Cork and then I head east or west, you know what I mean? I, I feel like I would be stopping every, like, you know what I mean, like well, you 200 would. kilometers or something. You know, especially whenever I, you know, I mean, my car is like there's lots of like the paper's very heavy and uh, you know. Uh, and the charging uh, points, then you make sure they're working. And so, uh, someone was telling me the other day that there's very little fast charge points in the Cork area. So there's another, you know, something they have to work on if they want us to go that way and, and go electric. Anyhow, before I let you go and pass on our, our best wishes to Sandra Brendan, by the way. Uh, and tell her we're all asking for her. we're thinking over here in Cork uh, before I let you go uh, a lot of texts in about the diaries uh, first of all coming up with all the quotes and I mentioned a few there I mean is there a team of you or, or where do you come up with all the various quotes oh yeah uh, uh, that's, that's, thank you so much for, for mentioning that because I forgot yeah uh, the, the team comes up with the quotes and I'm going to say a big hi to the team because they do really work uh, like tirelessly to get the products out there Yes, uh, the team will like, get together and, and, you know I mean, there's Eileen and she puts a lot of the quotes and stuff into the book she researches and does a lot of work for it, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 like, it's, it's a lot of di- hard work, I would say, just getting the quotes and that type of thing, just to get them put together, you know. So yeah. we do so our best, we, we, we try our best and uh, we keep going all the time, you know. And is it yeah. a case when one year ends, as they're published now, the hard work of, being, of them being delivered around the country, you're, you're already working on, on 2023? Big, big time. Yeah, we have we have to keep we have to keep going all the time. You know, we're looking forward all the time. You know, I mean, if you run a business, you can't just be you know, I mean, just what's going on around you that particular day or that particular week. You know, you have to be way in front. In our case, like we have to be like practically a year in front. You know, that, that this is the way we operate. You know, all the time. You know. Well, as I mentioned, uh, all the, the from the wall planner to all the various uh, get up and go diaries we've spoken about there, you can get them in all your local bookshops here in the Cork area. If you want to give us a ring with your town, Bernie will have a list there shortly and we will yeah. let you know where they are available. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can ring us on 1850 or go to com. And uh, Brendan, the best of luck to you for the, for the rest of the few months as you're busy driving around the country delivering these. <laughs> Not a problem, John Paul. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And uh, whenever, whenever this uh, 
all of this ends, I'll be the first one to call in with you. Whenever Do all indeed. This lockdown or whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, I'll be the first one to call in with you. We'll, we'll, we'll welcome you at the door with a coffee. That'll <laughs> do. Thank you so much. And mind yourself, thanks very Thank much. So much uh, Brendan Sands there, uh, who is uh, joining us on those Get Up and Go diaries, those fantastic inspirational and positive diaries uh, that he releases every year. And they are available in all bookshops. And indeed, you can get them on getupandgodiary.com. And we will be giving away a few of those uh, later in the programme as well. But our lines are open. 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862 it is Cork today until 1 and Annalisa Drizel is along after 12.30 answering all your nutritional questions. If you have a question for her, uh, get them in early because it does get very busy on that segment. So you can call Bernie on 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 if you have a question for Annalise who will join us after 12.30. But a lot of calls and comments coming in to us on the various issues we've been discussing this morning on the programme. And first of all, people worry and wondering what is going to happen are we going to see more restrictions is there a lockdown well there's no talk of another lockdown but they are meeting today with regards to what they can do as hospitals are under pressure will there be some type of restrictions coming in but there's no appetite for a lockdown and that was even said by Michal Martin last night and last week when he was interviewed he was very clear on that um, what he said nothing could be ruled out this is what he said last week you know I don't see uh, dramatic going back or turning to where we were because of socialisation, because we have reopened society, the, and with the Delta variant, that has resulted in very high case numbers. <clears throat> I don't see Christmas lockdowns, no. Um, and um, but but uh, I, you know, we may have to imaginatively look at, at at how we behave and how we manage events and so on. So nothing really changed from what he said last week to last night, but they are looking at what they can do to ease the increase in those numbers. And uh, a lot of people have mixed views on that. First of all, we had a WhatsApper earlier in the show who thinks the night industry should be closed. And this WhatsApper says the same. I agree totally uh, with that listener earlier about closing nightclubs, because in my opinion, this is why our cases are so high. I certainly don't want to be in another lockdown. And it's people out there that need to use common sense and think of our children and the children's education. Uh, we can't be stopping this so that people can go to matches or indeed after school activities or nightclubs when these activities are available. Uh, people go, in my opinion, well, then people need to stop and think if they go along to these. Uh, Mike and Skibberin, he feels that you should now have to show your COVID search everywhere, whether you go to shops, to dentists, to hairdressers, uh, non-vaccinated should not be welcome anywhere. Uh, that uh, says Mike in Skibberin. Uh, Therese is in Balling Colleague and she's asking is it okay to say send Christmas cards this year uh, as they're being handled no I mean last year there was Christmas cards I think the biggest increase in Christmas cards ever seen uh, across the world so uh, yeah uh, you're safe enough to send uh, those cards uh, Theresa in Balling Colleague and uh, a few more WhatsApps regarding what is happening and we'll know later today or indeed tomorrow on what they are planning to do uh, to slow down with those increasing numbers I'm not sure what I mean there's no talk of lockdown so not too sure what they are planning uh, but on this WhatsApp are saying I'm just now getting sick and tired of this virus it's going into two years now with the government and the health authorities keeping this going 
About five years ago, hospitals were extremely busy and we were told not to go to the hospital and go to our doctors and go to our doctors first. And it's the same today, but they are putting it down now to the virus. Uh, This WhatsApper says, sorry, I think this is all an excuse just to make the freedom uh, and take away the freedom from the people of this country. At the beginning of this uh, pandemic, the government said, don't let the virus run your life. But it's the government and the health authorities that are leaving the virus take over our lives. Life goes on and as I said before, uh, we have to keep going. The the lockdowns did not work. Uh, Nothing is working as far as this WhatsApp is saying and the government is making mountains out of molehills says that person and another texter here saying, I feel all healthcare workers should be asked now to produce their COVID certs with ID. I have heard uh, that some may not be vaccinated in that industry and I feel uh, for health and safety, all all of this trumps privacy in a situation like this, especially with healthcare workers dealing with the most vulnerable in society. I think it should be made a priority, says uh, that texter. Uh, while John is in Cove, he wants to know if the farmer companies, how much have they made over everything going on at the moment? Well, uh, there, there is obviously money being made out of this and uh, Moderna and Pfizer uh, which uh, have said they have made a profit from this but with that being said uh, the AstraZeneca uh, Johnson & Johnson and others including the likes of Pfizer and Moderna as well have said at times you know, that, that the cost won't be implemented straight away but I do know AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson uh, that they have provided their vaccines on a non-for-profit basis until the pandemic comes to an end and that has also been said for other in the pharma industry so there's no exact figures uh, as in detailed figures that are logistic and that are right um, to give Bush yeah they they will make some type of profit out of it but at the moment a lot of them uh, are giving uh, vaccines on as was said by AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson on a non-for-profit basis until the pandemic comes to an end and then they'll I suppose see what arrangements they make after that uh, for John and Cove Morris is in the Glonthorne area and he says he wants to know how can you get an appointment for a PCR test because the closest place for him today is the Manway. Every place else seems to be booked out and that is what we are hearing uh, busy at the moment for testing in the Cork area, Morris. So uh, it is something that if you're living in and around the North Cork, East Cork and City areas, uh, the centre in Blackpool it seems to be full and people are being told to go to Ballinacarraga uh, for the test. So that's the way it is at the moment and some people will wait until tomorrow before they can get, can actually get a test. Uh, but if you do need one, uh, you're asked to either book online or phone your GP. But again, you could be waiting. And as regarding schools then and how they are dealing with this situation, Audrey on WhatsApp says, as a teacher myself, and I'm currently off on maternity leave, I strongly feel that schools are doing the best they can in relation to COVID with limited support from the department and the HSE. No contact tracing is a joke. Antigen testing should not be seen as a replacement for contract tracing as they are not reliable. I know of several people who had a negative result with an antigen test and still ended up with a positive PCR test. Contact tracing needs to be reinstated and any family that have a positive case in their household or indeed any COVID symptoms need to be proactive and keep those children at home, says Audrey, who's in the know. She's a teacher herself. Thank you, Audrey, for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. But I was speaking there to 
uh, the Clare Deputy Cottle Crew, who himself uh, is a teacher, but a former teacher, and ended up going in subbing uh, because of the fact that, like Audrey was saying there, there is teachers as well, of course, who simply can't go in because if a teacher displays a symptom, like a, a cold or a runny nose or a flu, uh, the teacher then will have to go and get a test because you just simply can't turn up for work. And it's not only for teachers, it's every employment. If you have any symptom of a cold, you'll be told stay at home. Uh, don't be spreading anything in the workplace. Uh, so while before people would have been dragging themselves into work if they were sick, uh, that's not the case. No, you stay at home. And that's not just for teachers, but for across uh, wherever you are public sector, private sector. Uh, That is the norm across the world at the moment regarding this. Uh, But Tim and Yol has a text on that. And we were discussing how now student teachers are going to be used uh, for subs uh, due to the so many teachers being out, which we said this would happen. And because they're all getting tested when there's so many out, there's a lack of sub teachers. So then they're going now looking at student teachers and hopefully more of those student teachers in their final year in Mary I will be used uh, as substitute teachers, giving them extra experience as well and reducing the, uh, I suppose, the, the, the pressure on all schools, uh, in not only here in Cork, but across the country. But Tim and Yol, uh, this is his text on this regarding the teachers. He says, it's a fantastic job. The government this is Tim now saying this, should privatise the education industry. They wouldn't have half the problems with these teachers that they have today. The private industry would not tolerate the behaviour of workers coming and going as they choose, like teachers have been doing so for the last two years. In this industry, if this industry was privatised, it would be half the cost to the taxpayer and also more productive, says Tim. The people don't forget when COVID-19 occurred, teachers left the classrooms with pay as fast as lightning when most workers in the private industry had to stay with it, says Tim Inyall to 0862103103. And I, I mean, on the substitute teachers issue, they are looking for student teachers to go in. So, I mean, that's kind of, a, I suppose, making use of those in Mary Eye, which is a good thing. Uh, but on what is happening at the moment, I think if you're, as I said, public or public or private even, I think you have to stay away if you have any symptoms or are sick uh, regardless. But that's Tim's uh, view uh, on teachers. And I have a lot more calls, calls and texts coming in on various issues. I get to those very shortly indeed. But in, we spoke earlier about e-scooters and e-bikes. And I got an email in from David in Clonakilty who wants to in general talk about bikes and uh, this is something we've discussed before on the show Uh, David says at present on television there are numerous ads about giving space to cyclists on the road and I agree totally with this at times they are subjected to the rudest drivers on the planet however all of this works both ways at lunchtime on Friday last I was travelling between Crossbury and Bandon and just as I left Crossbury, I joined a queue of motorists who were stuck behind a cyclist. The first vehicle behind this cyclist was a jeep towing a trailer. So overtaking on this narrow and dangerous road was risky. And by the time we had reached Brinney Cross, the queue had increased to around 20 vehicles. It was only after negotiating a very narrow bridge at Brinney uh, that some drivers had enough and began overtaking the cyclists. So between Crossbury Village and Brinney Bridge which is around five miles, this cyclist had numerous opportunities to pull in safely and leave the traffic pass. But no, he decided to keep cycling with his head down and disregard the traffic chaos and danger he was causing behind. I'd like to know, have others come across this before and their views on this? I am not against cyclists by any means, 
but I think if you're in a car or on a bike and you are holding up traffic and you can you know there is dangerous driving going on behind you from frustrated drivers who want to pass you out you should pull in uh, says David in Clonakilty to email on Cork Today at c103.ie have you come across that yourself and do you agree with David who's feeling very strong about that situation your views are welcome on that, you can call Bernie 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. And Brian Clark, who is the head chef at the Briar Rose in Douglas, he's appealing for donations of new toys to help provide toys and meals for over 300 children this Christmas. The toy drive runs up to the 19th of December and the toys can be dropped off at the Briar Rose in Douglas. And Mitchell Sound Credit Union, they will host the launch of Terror from the Theatre. That's by Frank Keating and that's going ahead this coming Friday, the 19th of November at 7pm. And Ballyhara Development, they will host four weeks of arts and crafts and that's in the Presentation Pastoral Centre in Donrail. It is starting next Monday, the 22nd of November and it starts there at three o'clock. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Annalisa Drizel will join us very shortly if you have a nutritional question for her. Get those in now to Bernie. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And we spoke earlier to Brendan Sands of the Get Up and Go Diaries, those great inspirational diaries that he releases every year. Three of those now to give away. I have the Irish Get Up and Go Diaries for 2022, the Gratitude Journal and the Young Person's Diary for Get Up and Go. If you would like to win one of those, if you want a Pacific one, just put the word Irish or Gratitude or Young Person's ahead of the text or indeed just text your name and where you are now to 0862103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and we'll give away those three diaries between now and one o'clock this afternoon. Uh, back to the text, Mike uh, was saying that we should that everybody now uh, basically should have the COVID search going in everywhere. And if you don't have one, you should not be allowed in. Well, Anne says, I think everybody now at this stage should look after themselves and mind their own business and not be stirring things, says Anne. While Elizabeth says, people like Mike would want to check the stats. We have higher numbers now than ever before we were vaccinated. Even though we are all vaccinated and have COVID certs, we could still pass it on. So Mike, could be showing you know his COVID search uh, Mike could show his COVID test and still have COVID and be spreading it antigen testing is the only way if you want to go out do an antigen test beforehand they should be available in every town for people to be checked and then given a pass to go out says Elizabeth I am vaccinated but still would do an antigen test if I was to go for a night out Elizabeth saying on text to 0862103103 and Nora says that everybody who has been vaccinated uh, should be because unless you're somebody that can't get one on doctor's advice uh, then she feels that everybody should be at this stage uh, the advice then 
on certs. They should be checked everywhere and if you don't have a cert you should not be left in. Also Nora says households who have COVID if one member gets the uh, COVID-19 in a household then everybody in the house should stay at home for 14 days because Nora says I'm aware of family members who have it and the rest are out and about and that is not right. That is why numbers are so high. We're spreading it amongst ourselves regardless what we are uh, says Nora on text to 0862103103. Now uh, we all know about uh, COP26 that was held in Glasgow over the weekend and a lot of people uh, have mixed views on that and some people even saying what was the point in it when nothing was kind of you know they're they're agreeing uh, different uh, pieces of what they can do but will it make any difference well uh, Michael O'Sullivan in Castanbear on WhatsApp says COP26, he feels, was nothing short of a cop-out. I do admire Mary Robinson, says Michael, for calling them out and seeing her standing up to them. She summed it up extremely well when she said COP26 has made some progress, but nowhere near enough to avoid a climate change disaster. While millions around the world are already in crisis, not enough leaders were in crisis mode. People will see this as a historically shameful dereliction of duty. Don't let anyone be fooled. This planet of ours is only hanging on just by a thread, says Michael. And please just think about that for one moment. The 20 largest economies in the world are responsible for 80% of all the emissions and yet the $100 billion target for funds for these developed nations to help developing countries adapt climate change was not reached. Far from it, uh, says Michael in Castletown Bear. And Pat is in Formoy regarding COP26. And Pat says, we didn't cop on at all. Pat says, we copped out. And regarding the uh, situation with COVID and the rising numbers, uh, Pat in Formoy feels the politicians should react on COVID and climate change as one united group and isolate those who were anti-vaxxers or indeed anti of what is happening. They should not be allowed in anywhere, uh, says Pat in Formoy. So a lot of mixed views this morning when it comes to that situation regarding the rising numbers. Um, people have uh, various views on that and I'm sure it's something we'll be going back to on the show tomorrow uh, following that meeting, uh, the sub-cabinet meeting that is going ahead today. Uh, but hello to Gina who was on text and it was so busy this morning we nearly forgot about this ourselves but uh, hi Gina and Gina says I want to wish everybody at C103 a happy 31st birthday I hope you will have a lovely day celebrating it enjoy it and thank you Gina and of course yes I should have mentioned that at the very start of the show this time last year uh, we were celebrating 30 years of C103 on air in the Cork area and also Patricia Messenger was 30 years on air with the radio station and we had a huge celebration programme uh, last year with some big names dropping in as well uh, over the course of the show including the uh, legendary Ray Marr who plays Alf Stewart in Home and Away uh, because of course he celebrated a milestone as well uh, Home and Away 33 years on air and he went over the 30 as well so uh, he was, was celebrating that with us last year but anyhow uh, thank you Gina for remembering and uh, yeah it was uh, 30 years uh, that C103 uh, starting off as County Sound went across the county on the 15th of November in 1990 so there we are history in the making and uh, thank you to everybody who has remained loyal and stayed tuned to C103 over the last 31 years we thank you very much and we will uh, well there'll be no celebrations because of everything going on but uh, uh, Bernie might bring in a cake later we'll see Uh, now Pamela hello to you Pamela in the Skibbereen area by email to Cork Today at c103.ie we mentioned this in Formoy last week and now this is a class reunion in Skibbereen because Pamela is planning a class reunion it's for next year but it's for those who attended the Convent of Mercy in Skibbereen from 1973 
1978 and she's wondering if anybody uh, was in the Convent of Mercy in Skib between those years if they could contact her uh, she's been asked to, I have an email here for her that you can contact her on we have phone numbers as well that we can pass on to you but her email is Clark at yahoo.com and if you were in the convent in Skib from 1973 to 1978 they are planning a class reunion next year for those who attended within those years and they would love for people to get involved join in that reunion so again uh, we have more details if you want to give us uh, a call for phone numbers on that one you can call Bernie on 1850 333 but uh, nutritional advice with Annalisa she'll join us next Record today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 and on the issue of cyclists, Colum and Butterfin says every user on the road should have equal priority. The only users who were recommended to pull in for other road users are tractors and other farm machinery. Can drivers do not have, or car drivers even, do not have any more priority to use the roads than cyclists, says Colum in Butterfin. Uh, while Tommy on WhatsApp says, Hi JP, I have no problem with cyclists or slow drivers as long as they respect and show some courtesy to see to fellow road users by pulling in at the first opportunity and leaving those behind to pass out says Tommy on WhatsApp and Jamie is saying I do agree with that caller I am a cyclist myself but I would always pull in when safe to do so I think it's wrong to be holding up traffic on roads like that road from Bandon to Crossbury they're not meant for cyclists and cars to travel together they're too narrow so if when I cycle in roads like this I do pull in because I'm aware behind me I could be having a crash or they could be crashing into me uh, says Jamie on WhatsApp to 0862 and a lot more WhatsApp coming in on different issues and we'll get to those on the show tomorrow. I know someone has just texted in asking, well, Ireland had a great win last night over Luxembourg, they did. But can anyone explain to me why they changed the colour of the Irish kit? I think it's wrong. Ireland's jerseys were always green and they should remain to do so. Now, I think it's to do because um, of the away jersey and I'm not too sure that they changed the colours of the jerseys. Luxembourg were wearing white, I think, last night. Uh, was that the issue? I might have to look into it but I think it's something to do with the away jersey and usually if it clashes then with the other team even though they had a different colour but they have worn that orange colour before uh, that orange jersey but I'll have to get back to that on the show tomorrow because we are over time and we must go to the health hub in Ballincollig before we do that though can I say congratulations first of all to Anna O'Neill in Ballincollig near Dumanway we were looking for winners for those get up and go diaries Anna you have won yourself a young person's diary for 2022 uh, the get up and go diaries we spoke about earlier with Brendan on the show and hi to Geraldine O'Donovan in Skiff and League. you have won the Gratitude Journal and Eilish Daly from Dramoc you have won the Irish Get Up and Go Diary they'll be making their way to you in the post and thank you for your text we'll give away more of those across the week but it's to the Health Hub in Ballincollig we go now and Annalisa Giselle joins us as usual on a Monday good afternoon to you Annalisa good afternoon John Paul and thanks for joining us a lot of questions in so we'll get straight into them and this is something that is I think a lot of people are experiencing this at the moment and maybe that's why numbers are so high with regards to COVID-19. Uh, Patricia's on a text saying, uh, can you ask Annalisa about long COVID? Because I got the virus two months ago, but now I keep getting sore throats and they keep coming back. What can I take for that? And I have a number of texts asking about sore throats this morning. What's the best advice Annalisa can give regarding that? Okay, so there are two sort of separate ones, I think, really, John Paul. So a sore throat 
um, can be down to a number of different things. The first thing is that it actually could be down to a particular bacteria called Streptococcus that causes throat infections. Um, or it also could be down to, like we have a lot of um, our tonsils, for example, and our glands in our, our, in our neck would be our immune glands and often will swell when our immune system is fighting something. It mightn't be anything to do with the streptococcus bacteria for the throat. It might be fighting a cough virus or a flu virus or the COVID virus. So the, the, those glands can become very sore and that can make you feel like you've got a sore throat. So in the case of both, what I would suggest is supporting the immune system. And for that, you're looking at, well, at the moment, I'm, always, I'm saying to everybody in Ireland, Man, woman and child and baby should be on vitamin D at the moment because of the fantastic benefits for the immune system. But when when you're trying to boost your immune system, you're looking at things like echinacea. You're looking at things um, like elderberry extract, which is a great natural antiviral, vitamin C and zinc, as well as your vitamin D. So taking a supplement of these will just put everything in place for your immune system to be able to do its job of kind of isolating and attacking the, va- the virus or the, or the bacteria and getting rid of them. The other thing that's great for sore throats is um, the Dr. Claire throat spray. Um, she, you can just spray it on and there's some echinacea in it and then some sage and marshmallow, which is very soothing. So that's a nice throat spray. And I do know another Irish com- company called Irish Botanica. They do a throat coat, which is very good for sore throats. So they're, they're the products I'd suggest for that. And then the long COVID, it's very common. And this, the type of symptoms we're seeing here, uh, John Paul, and actually some people are getting it after their booster vaccines as well. So it would be the fatigue, long-term fatigue, so fatigue for more than two or three weeks. Um, this, the sore throat or the glands swelling up in, in, the, in the neck um, on a frequent basis. Sore joints is another common one. Some people are getting rashes over their body that are very hard to shift. Um, So these are all kind of very, very common symptoms of long COVID or any type of post-viral fatigue. So you need to address the single issues like the sore throat, as I explained there with the throat coat spray, but also support the immune system. And for something like long COVID, olive leaf extract is fantastic because it is such a very, very strong natural antiviral. So I'd recommend everybody that is suffering from long COVID to go on that. If your energy is low, um, and again, this is a protocol that's been put together by kind of naturopaths and nutritional therapists just over the last couple of years, John Paul, to help their clients deal with long COVID. So not everything will work for everybody. But niacin, which is one of the B vitamins, taking a niacin tablet every two to three hours to help with energy. Now, you need to get the no flush niacin because otherwise you'll be like like a beetroot flushing red with the flush niacin. So niacin... Um, every two to three hours, and something else called NAC, which is N-acetylcysteine, and that is another fantastic one for kind of post-viral fatigue. So long COVID is the NAC plus niacin every couple of hours, um, the olive leaf extract, and if you're really fatigued, the Revive Active is wonderful too. Okay, so a lot of information there on hopefully that helps uh, those texters who were on to us earlier this morning. Now, Nora, you mentioned her about flushes. Nora has been on and she says, Annalisa, what is good for a hot face at the left hand side of my face all year round? Now, Nora says, I would have sinuses because I seem to have sinuses all the time and I can never get rid of them. And then I get these hot flushes and I get them very bad now for the last 17 years or so. So I don't know what is going on and I don't want to take any tablets. Any advice? 
That's a very difficult one, John Paul, because I've no idea what could be causing that. Mm. I don't know if it's like a hot flush like women would get during menopause hot flush, where it's a kind of a feeling of heat and the skin goes all red, or is it a hotness because there's pain and swelling? So, um, okay, so there you can get lovely rose water sprays for the face if it is hot skin. Um, that is really nice. You can carry it around in your handbag, and I know Trilogy do one, but you'll be able to get an or any type of rose water spray in a health shop. Um, and you could use that to sort of bring down the, he- the heat and red in the skin. If it is menopausal related, sage is always the best thing for hot flushes. But if it's achy and pain due to sinuses, um, the natural anti-inflammatories like white willow bark can work very well for, um, it's like a kind of a natural pain reliever. And you can get that in, um, in capsule form. And then for sinus, we always recommend the Dr. Clare Mucotone, which is disgusting, but so, so effective. It's a kind of a blend of lots of different herbs for immune boosting and also to kind of clear sinuses and to clear chests. So you could try a couple of those different things and maybe one of those will work. Okay, hopefully that helps Nora there. And an email in to us from Mary, and hopefully you've heard of these products, Annalisa. She's looking for help in getting rid of tinnitus. And she has heard of these supplements called Sonavel or Synaptex. And are they good in, with her or for her in the help of getting rid of tinnitus? Okay, so I don't know that product, John Paul, but I do know those kinds of products and they're marketed under a number of different names. People find them online. They often come up on your Facebook page. Generally, you'll know that they are not entirely trustworthy because there'll be a whole big spiel. Often there's a kind of a video that you listen to first and then they've got all these testimonials and then you can either sign up for one, two or three months and the longer you sign up, the cheaper it gets. Generally, the products are actually not harmful, I can say. They're not dangerous or harmful, but they're not very strong and they certainly, there's nothing that wouldn't be in a health shop that would be as good as these products. And I, the same goes for a lot of joint products that people come in and ask me about that they've seen on Facebook. So in terms of tinnitus, it's one of the most difficult things to get a handle on. We used to have one product that worked that unfortunately was discontinued. So in that product, there was a high amount of rosemarinic acid from rosemary. There was a bacteria called... Um, streptoc- I'm sorry, Lactobacillus salivarius, which is a very important one for the inner ear. And there was a whole pile of a mix of natural anti-inflammatories. So tinnitus could either be because your um, ear is inflamed after an infection or something, and it'll work in that case as an anti-inflammatory. But if the hearing is, tinnitus is down to hearing damage, or if it's something to do with postural tinnitus because you have a problem with a nerve in your neck, there isn't a product in the world that you can take that will work. And I'll be honest, John Paul, very few of them, even the ones we had here, were very effective with hit and miss. Yeah, so to be careful, I suppose, on what you're choosing as well, especially if you see them, uh, those ads on Facebook. Um, Bridie wants to know, Annalisa, she's in her 80s. Is there any best type of moisturiser cream for someone who is in her 80s or will the standard ones that are available do? So that's the million dollar question. Mm. And women have spent hundreds and hundreds of pounds over the years trying to find that perfect cream for your skin. So I think everybody's skin is very different, John Paul. So, if, you know, if you've got very dry skin, you'll probably need something a little bit oilier. And if you've got, you know, oily skin, you'll need a different type. I think probably when you're in your 80s, um, you need something with a little bit more moisture in there. And I always recommend that people go as natural as possible. So there's a lot of lovely ones. Kinvara is an Irish company and they do a beautiful serum that is really good for dry skin. And you'll get that in any health store. 
and they do also a face cream for the day as well, which wouldn't be as oily and that's suitable for more um, or less everybody's skin. And then for very, very dry skin, we love the Walida skin food. It comes in two types. There's the full skin food and there's the skin food light. And it is a cult product, John Paul, over the years. I have used it on absolutely everything on my body, dry heels, dry elbows. Um, dry lips on my face, on my body, and it's fabulous. So that's another lovely one we can recommend. And then always the the one we get great feedback here in the shop is the Trilogy. It's a little bit more expensive, but it really, really is lovely. It has rosehip oil in there, and all of the ones I've mentioned there have little to no chemicals. Okay, hopefully that helps, Bridie. And very finally, you mentioned there about million-dollar questions. This definitely is one because this texter wants to know, what would Annalisa recommend uh, to lose weight? Okay, so that the simplest thing to lose weight is to stop eating, unfortunately. And um, it can be very hard for some people, John Paul, especially depending on the time of life. Certainly once you pass 50, yeah. it seems to go on very easily and very hard to get off. And I have to say, over my years, exercise, I think, is only responsible for about 5% of weight loss. Because yeah, really? I do. I think, yeah. like, you know, we don't realise how little we burn. So, for example, if you walked for an hour at a, nor- at a reasonably good pace, at a reasonably good pace, you might burn 300 calories, which is about two chocolate biscuits. So if you come home and say, well, I've had my walk now, I can have my chocolate biscuits, you're actually back to zero. So exercise, you want to be really like doing spinning classes are huge high intensity training to burn calories and a couple of biscuits can put it back on so i think the best thing and especially after a certain age cutting down on carbohydrates tends to work the best and what you really need to cut is your bread pasta potatoes all sugar like sugar is totally the enemy after the age of 50 um cakes crackers and really what you need to be eating is like a diet that is high in good quality fats like avocados nuts and seeds, eggs, fish, lean meat, and loads and loads and loads of vegetables. And that is probably the fastest way is to cut those carbohydrates that really we just get energy from, but not a lot, lot, always not a lot of nutrition. Okay, good advice there. Annalise, as always, thanks for joining us. You'll have all the items we mentioned today on the Health Hub Facebook page and also on your website, thehealthhub.com. And we'll chat to you again next Monday afternoon. Thanks, John Paul. Thanks, Annalisa. And also, uh, you can listen back to anything Annalisa said. If you missed it, you can pause and listen back to it on the C103 website on the podcast section of C103.ie. Annalisa Giselle joining us from the Health Hub in Ballincollig. Uh, that's located across the way from the cinema in Ballincollig. And I know we had a text uh, just at the very end there regarding the Republic of Ireland away jersey and why were they wearing that last night? Well, the match was away, but the reason why, that's the colour of the jersey. It was released a few weeks ago and it is... A jersey that has a green strip along the top and is orange in colour that uh, texter felt that he would have rather the green jersey but uh, that's the option they have gone for for the away strips and there is mixed views over that but they are orange when they play at home then in the Aviva for example they'll be wearing the green strip anyhow hopefully that clears that up that's it for today we're back again with you tomorrow morning from 10am and my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced this enjoy your Monday afternoon I'm John Paul Mac- Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.